And have you noticed now when you go into yeah. shops in this country, we're supposed to take our bags for life. Yeah. I keep forgetting and they're on the hook on the back of their kitchen door. I do the same. They, when you buy your 5p carrier bag, each one now comes with a look of disdain. <laughs> the letter W. Hey, thanks for checking out The Thictionary. I appreciate it. If you uh, enjoy what you're about to hear while you're listening, find us on Twitter, at Thick Podcast. Give us a follow. We'll follow you back. Or you can do a like on Facebook. If you want another episode, you can go to Thictionary.com. All right, I called you, Paul Gannon, Wombling. So, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's got something to do with the Wombles. Well, no. Is it that I like to pick up litter? Uh, Womble, in this case, spelt W-A-M-B-L-E. Oh. Uh, The verb to womble is the noise given to a rumbling stomach. All right, that's fair enough. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What's that coming over the hill? Is it Pogandon? Yeah, it's very likely is. Uh, It's also to move unsteadily or to feel nausea. The origins of Womble, W-A-M-B-L-E. I suppose you could say Wamble, but I'm pretty sure it's Womble. Please say Womble, I uh, like it. comes from around sort of 1300, 1350. It comes from an obscure Norwegian word, Vamla, meaning to stagger. Uh, it's an uncommon surname, Wamble, but it does exist. Yeah. It's also recorded as Twemlo and Twamley. The Wamble coat of arms features a knight, a yellow chevron, and three squirrels. Excellent. <laughs> now that's the kind of shield I can get behind. Well, it's funny you say that, actually, because the Gannon coat of arms is very similar. Is it? But you've got three lions. Well, that's all right. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly would prefer the squirrels. I think that's much more me. Yeah, you've got those lazy cricket lions. You know, yeah. It's a really stretched out. The ones that have the kind of one arm stretched yeah. back, one crunched... Yeah, yeah, that's that, humour. Yeah. yeah, poised to attack. Anyway, you, uh, that is uh, the verb to wamble. Well, I just picked Wunderkind because it was clever <laughs> to be a W word but say it with a V. I mean, really, that's all it came down to. If you don't know what it means, it means a person who achieves great success when relatively young. Would you say that was true? Would you say you peaked in your 20s? I kind of did, actually. The biggest radio station I ever worked on was when I was 20 years old. Yeah. It's been sort of sideways slash downhill slash a bit ups. It's like ski. My career is like Ski Sunday. Okay, yeah, basically with the same theme tune. But I'm poised to go back to the top any minute, like a coiled spring. Just you wait. You wait. It's like a jack in the box. You're yeah, carefully you cranking that dial, yeah. and eventually, bam, you're there. So, Wunderkind is an actual German word. Yeah, and I was thinking of other Wunderkinds. Peter Cook's probably one. Peaked in his mid twenties when he was writing, uh, you know, Beyond the Fringe. Um, for Kenneth Williams and things like that. Chesney Hawks. Chesney Hawks exploded. Bross. I mean, we're looking at geniuses. They lit. They burnt too brightly. Kelly Brook. Don't know. <laughs> I've not spoken to her. Yeah, I don't know what she's up to. I Googler. think. I think she's working in a Walmart right now. And this is the Whiff Waff podcast. Whiff Waff in the 1880s was a sport. It's like, like tennis? Like table tennis. Okay. Before table tennis got onto bats and rackets and things like that and paddles, yeah. they were using uh, cues. That's strange yeah. to me because that wouldn't make the whiff waff sound, I, I, I presume. No. The name it comes from. So the whiff waff name comes right at the end of the whole process. Oh. Whiff waff is essentially table tennis, which started off with cues. Bats came in around 1890. Uh, if you're looking for an illustration, go to the Christmas advert for Jacques and Son. They're promoting an exciting new version of table tennis called Gossamer. Wow. Which would eventually fold into ping pong, which is a registered trademark of Hamley Brothers in 1900. Uh, then a couple of months later, Slazenger went, this ping pong slash table tennis thing, got slash gossamer thing, is going crazy. We totally have to jump on the bandwagon. But, right. but as companies do, they go, but we need our own name for it. Right. So Slazenger registered as a trademark Whiff Waff. 
Did it take them all of two minutes to come up with her? Yes. They took the whiff, the gust of wind generated from the swift wave of a hand, and the waft, coming from the Scottish word, to waft. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so, pretty easy. Well, this is the thing. If they're going to just name sports after onomatopoeic sound, yep. then you've got whiff-waff, ping-pong. I'm surprised football wasn't called biff-buff. Ding-dong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a knocked-around ginger, whatever so you call course, it. Your... And Boris Johnson uh, famously quoted whiff-waff in his Olympic speech back in 2012. Right. But whiff-waff uh, came after ping-pong, which came after the name table tennis. Do you think he was talking about riff-raff, but got a lisp on that particular speech? I, I think so, yes. Yes. Time for this week's word workout on the dictionary. We are doing the letter W. It's an anagram of a band, Paul Gannon. And everyone listening at home, yeah, you just uh, swig on your coffee. I'm very dry-throated today. What is it, latte? Yeah, of course, it always is. Uh, Your anagram of a band, Whale, W-H-A-L-E, Tires, T-I-R-E-S. It's a band. Okay. Whale Tires. Whale Tires. That could be a name of a band for all I know in itself. Probably is. It probably will be in the future. (laughs) Here we go! Hey, fancy a game? Fancy a W game? Oh, right then. Wicked. The game is What's in a Name? These are people who go by their middle name rather than their forename. Okay. And the addition of a, a middle name became common amongst royalty and aristocracy around about the 17th century. Mm. So before that, we, they were just called one, two, oi. That's a very strange name to have. Short. Ugh. Yeah. Brad Pitt, what was his original first name? Began with a W. Um, Waylon. Is incorrect. William. Oh, so close. William Bradley Pitt. Number two, Will Ferrell. Had a different first name that began with J. What was it? With a J. Um, James? Incorrect. John. Oh. Uh, Walter Willis is better known as who? John. Bruce Willis. Oh, balls. <laughs> <laughs> Warren Beatty, first name, original first name beginning with an H. Humperdinck. Henry Beatty. You can see kind of why he changed it. I can see why he changed it. I think that is a word. Henry Beatty. Yeah, Henry Beatty. It's the act of making love (laughs) to small animals. And finally, Orson Welles. Surname Welles with a W. First name for Orson Welles. Was Jacob. Incorrect. George. Although I didn't give you the letter, so reasonably close. Porgannon, you scored zero slash five. Possibly my best to date. Wow, 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 wow. Time for this week's big four words on the dictionary. If you uh, enjoy these and you've got a future word for a future episode, feel free to send it to us on Twitter, at Thick Podcast, or uh, send it to us on the Facebook machine. Number one, here we go. I, I, you might run out of the studio when I do this. Go on. Weather! Yeah, I'm going to get my coat. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm doing a fake walkout. Do you remember walkout. that, though? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember the Budweiser. What's up? <laughs> Contender for the most annoying phrase of all time. Mm-hmm. I would argue that the Budweiser commercial was the last viral commercial of the non-internet era, if you think about it. 99 till, like, 2000. I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. I don't think much came after that. It was first coined the phrase, what's up, in a short film called True, that featured Charles Stone III and his childhood friends Fred Thomas, Paul Williams, Terry Williams and Kevin Lofton. Then a guy who works for an ad agency saw it and went, ooh, this would be wicked for Budweiser. Was he a white man? I don't know. It doesn't say... (laughs) I'm going to go and presume he's a white man in marketing. Wikipedia does not say that he was a white man. Anyway, so he took it to Anheuser-Busch, who owned Budweiser. They went, love it. They went back to the guy and uh, one of his friends said he didn't want to be in it. So they just cast another guy. That guy was Scott Martin Brooks. The guy on the computer... Was the the stand-in... Yeah. 
right for the guy who said, I'm not going to go down with a yeah. corporate machine, yo. And I don't know, but you have to wonder when someone turns down a lot of money to be famous, if there's plenty to hide. What, like he's had a bit of a suspicious I, yeah, history? I just, I just don't know, but he must have gone, you know what, fame? Nah, it's not for me. Is uh, for this me. profiling, Damien, out no. of interest? No, I'm... No, I'd this is I've, profiling? I've, uh, Wait, voice getting higher? So, yeah, one of the most uh, popular viral videos of all time before the internet, what's up? Right, my W word is... Uh, wabbit. Oh, I see what you've done, mate. <laughs> see what I did there? You've gone for another a speech impediment one. Kind of, basically, yes. But I did pick Wabbit because I was going to think Elmer Thud, get mm-hmm. to talk about that, because I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. But also I found that it's a Scottish term, originally in the late 19th century, of unknown origin but used in Scottish parlance. It also means exhausted or slightly unwell. Oh. So you can say... Hey, I'm feeling rather a bit today. So I could say to you, I could ring you up while you're on your couch and I could go, hey, What's Paul, up? What's that? What's up? And you could go, Wabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst Chaz and Dave song ever. Perfect. Um, but also Bugs Bunny obviously used what's called a wascally wabbit by yeah. Elmer Fudd. And I went into the history of Elmer Fudd and it's a fascinating character because it was originally uh, created by Tex Avery yeah. uh, in 1937. And the character was then known as Egghead. And it wasn't until he was teamed up with Warner Brothers brand new Looney Tunes star at the time, uh, Daffy Duck, that he was finally named. He rides into this episode where, with a little moped kind of thing oh. with the words Elmer Fudd, Peacemaker. Lovely. And in those episodes, he was like a goodie, a kind of weird goodie in that all he wanted to do was take pictures of Daffy Duck or the rabbit yeah. or adopt them. That's and he was weird. Like anyone like, that turns up with a camera and starts taking pictures of people, strange. Yeah, but that was his character initially. And then um, it was only when uh, he was paired off in 1930, uh, 1941's Bugs Bunny cartoon, Elmer's Pet Rabbit, that they started to get both characters right because Roger Rabbit, uh, not Roger Rabbit, Bugs Bunny. Because Bugs Bunny began to get the affectations of the What's Up Doc and the phrases like that, and then they became villains. So originally they weren't supposed to be paired together, but they, he just kind of was brought into the fold. Yeah. And then they realised that Bugs needed a foil. Rather than someone who was a bit dotty and a bit kind of just keen to have a rabbit fit picture, yeah. it, he needs to be more of a kind of villain. Yeah. And so obviously that led to the uh, famous you know, hunting season trilogy of cartoons, you know, rabbit season, duck season, rabbit yeah. season, that whole kind of yeah. thing. And then the Oscar winning, I think it was called What's Up Doc? Yeah. Uh, or the the one, basically that's the opera one that they did. And it came, you know, legend. Mm. But then I looked into the speech and I found out that there's actually rules for how Elmer Fudd would speak. So he always vocalises consonants R and L, pronouncing them as W instead. For example? My, that really was a delicious wag of wham. <laughs> that scriptwriter would never get any work with Jonathan Ross. No, it all forms itself. So yeah, basically Elmer Thud then, basically. And they call it as well. Uh, Warren Williams uh, said um, that he, when he gets his R and his L switched around, he would call it the uh, Fudd syndrome. Oh, who? Robin Williams? Robin Williams, yeah. Lovely. And I'll leave yeah. you with this interesting story about Mel Blanc. Yeah. Uh, Mel Blanc was in a horrible car accident, uh, I think in the 60s a or 70s. Horrible car a horrible car horrible <laughs> car accident. Um, <laughs> and he was in a coma for a very long time, and they didn't know if he was ever going to come out a of it. A very long time. A very long time. This is really insensitive. This is really insensitive, <laughs> but he's dead now, and it's been a long time past. Um, and they tried everything to get him to engage, to kind of, you know, wake mm. him out of it. And then one day, a doctor just walked in and went, I'm going to try something really different. And he went, Bugs, how are you? And I like that, Mel Black went, uh, what's up, Doc? No. Seriously. And then they would o- he would only speak in his characters because they believed at that point in his career, he'd done those voices for so long that he had muscle memory Yeah. W- when it came to doing those voices. So if he engaged him as Bugs Bunny in the recording studio, he'd just suddenly turn it on. That's so interesting. Like You see interviews with the cast of The Walking Dead, mm. which is on uh, break now, and uh, they've all changed their accents. There's an Australian woman that works on the show. She sounds American. Yeah. There's a dude that plays Rick Grimes, who we know is a dude from Egg, Love from Actually, her. Yeah. and uh, 
that life. And, and Andrew Lincoln. Lincoln. There you go. I knew it was sausage based. <laughs> he sounds American now, like in Hugh Fry. Uh, Hugh Fry. Hugh Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> We've got f- mental FUD syndrome. Oh. We're, getting our, <laughs> we're getting our surnames and names mixed up. Hugh Laurie does the same thing now. It sounds uh, fully American. Fascinating stuff. Thanks, Paul Gannon. No good, uh, good common knowledge as well. I have for you my second word, which is knickers. Oh, yes. You've been to America and to Scotland. Aye. And I'm going to take you to Ireland, sunshine. Here we go. Which is knickers, an Irish phrase used to describe plastic bags caught in tree branches. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Most kind of beautiful. Like a beautiful scene from um, American Beauty. Yeah. Where they're just standing there looking at a plastic bag in a tree going, it's so beautiful. That was the inspiration, really. Other similar names for witches' knickers include urban tumbleweed, <laughs> bag hawks, and landfill snowbirds. That's a bit convoluted. I do like the uh, dust urban um, tumbleweed. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, I um, can't even say it when you repeat it back to humble me. Humble tumbleweed. Humble tumbleweds. Wow. We've got. Um, isn't this karma for taking the mick out of Mel Blanc? That's what it is. We apologise. Can, can we have our voices back, please? Plastic carry bags make up two percent of litter on the streets. In 2002, Bangladesh banned plastic bags, uh, threatening to fine anyone that was caught using one. Oh. Because in India, it's a dump. Large parts of it, and I don't mean this... I live in the the Western world where everything's really nice, right? They've got Mm -hmm. no bins whatsoever. That's like Egypt, doesn't it? You see these pictures of the pyramids, but then they say if you pulled the camera back a bit further, you'd see just all the trash. When I went to Egypt, uh, we took a a bus from Cairo Airport to the pyramids, and the guy was like, do you want the cheap tour or the expensive tour? And we said to him, what's the difference? He went, well, the expensive tour cuts out all the slums. Wow. It won't make you feel bad about your life. And we went, cheap's fine. <laughs> because it was air-conditioned and we didn't want to get out. Uh, yeah, Bangladesh did a carry bag ban. The northern Indian state of Himachal Pradesh. You can be jailed for seven years for using a plastic bag. Wow. They're also banned in South Africa, Rwanda, China, Australia and Italy. Modbury and Devon became the first town in Britain to be plastic bag free. In 2007. Oh, I did not know that. And have you noticed now when you go into shops in this country, we're supposed to take our bags for life. Yeah. I keep forgetting and they're on the hook on the back of the kitchen door. I do the same. They, when you buy your 5p carrier bag, each one now comes with a look of disdain. Mm, the, I, you're right, I've gotten that as well. Yeah. It's like, you've, it's like you've stolen something almost, you know? It's got the whole kind of, we know what you're doing. I put my massive uh, basket, no uh, euphemism intended, on the side and go, can I have a couple of bags, please? That, yeah, if you want. I have so many bags for life. By this logic, I should be immortal. Why couldn't you bring your own ones? They've got to ruin the environment for. I see yeah. all of that in their eyes. Yeah, all uh, that disdain. So yeah, next time you see a orange Sainsbury's carry bag trapped in the uh, the branches and the blossom of a tree, you are staring at a pair of witches' knickers. Right. So the next word I have for you, woofits. Wow, <laughs> isn't it a great you word? Pulled out some great words today. Um, the origin is unknown. It's a noun, 19th century. The meaning is, and this is what is so delightful about it, the meaning of woofit is an ill feeling or depression. One citation says that this can also lead to uh, woofits being a dreaded disease that comes from the overeating and underdrinking of one's previous night, or as it's rephrased... I don't know what that means. I'm always overeating and overdrinking. Yeah, well, they also say the other uh, phrase is the ailment that comes with the morning after the night before. So it's a hangover. It's an old-fashioned term for a hangover. It's basically an old-fashioned term for a hangover. Oh, I got the woofits. I got the woofits real bad. <laughs> Please, can <laughs> Come we Come on, bring... let's bring that yeah. word back. Woofits needs to happen. We've got to get woofits on the go. But then I was thinking, come on, there must be some, you know, it's been used somewhere or, you know, in a book or whatever. Yeah. And I found that that, that was right, but not the book I was thinking of. Oh, the uh, Bible. Apparently, Is it the Bible? No. Oh, God, Jesus had the woofits. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if this doth be the last night on earth, I will go out with a case of the woofits. Yeah. 
And commandment number 10, <laughs> thou shalt not woof it. <laughs> anyway, that no, was the, the 11th one that yeah, they the 11th kind of one cut was scrapped out, off. Yeah. So, no, woof it, I did find in a book form, but it was a kid's series of books written by Michael Parkinson. Beautiful. He wrote a bunch of books called The Woofits. They featured a bunch of anthropomorphic dog-like creatures who lived in a fictional Yorkshire coal mining village of Grimeworth. Yeah. Uh, the four original books published by uh, Michael Parkinson were called, and again, only Michael Parkinson would have come up with these titles, The Woofits Day Out, The Woofits Play Cricket, The Woofits Play Football, and The Daily Woofit. Is correct. I just checked all these on the internet. And they, it was turned into a TV series. No chance of you missing The Woofits, though, because here they are, and today they're going to do something you've got to do soon spring cleaning they all lived in a terraced houses on grindworth street at number eight lived grandpa ironside which is a great <laughs> name and grandma emily they were the heads of the family at number 10 uncle atherstone he's a minor gardener band leader of the grindworth collie brass band Uncle Gaylord, at this point he's <laughs> trolling, right? Athelstone's brother, a football pools winner who considers himself posh. And at number 12, there's John Willie Woofit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Son of the Ironside and coal miner and played the trombone, the blast band. Lav- Lavina, wife of John Willie. Elton, son of Lavina and John Willie, dreamed of being a pop star. Angela, sister of Elton, had ambitions to be a TV newsreader. And the dog, Gershwin. And there was also a few other, uh, there was Clough Woffett, manager of the football team, Sergeant Cox, and there was a cop called, uh, no, not a cop, he was an editor of the Daily Woffett called Baskerville Woffett. You know what they say about introducing too many characters at once? Yeah. I would suggest that has led to the downfall of the Woffits. But they must have turned to Parkinson and went, you want to write some books? Make him the most northern books mm. you can possibly, and he just went to town on it. Yeah. He really <laughs> did excel. Hey, here comes the results of your word workout today. An anagram of a band beginning with W. 30 seconds on the clock for Paul Gannon and everyone at home. Whale Tires, W-H-A-L-E-T-I-R-E-S, begins now. I'm struggling with this one. Whale Tires is a band. Truly famous band... You've probably heard them in the last month. Oh, that's depressing. And then the month before that, and then the month before that. Because, okay, so... And the year before that, and the decade before that. Oh, the five, decade. Five seconds. How long? How far back are they? Go, are we going with this band? You either know it. 90s. Right? The answer is Bewitched, no. <laughs> that doesn't begin... No. <laughs> you got me excited. We're going to hear Say La Vie then for the first time in years. Whale Tires... Come on, man. <laughs> Why don't I know this? I was going to say Westlife. And then, <laughs> oh, I, was gonna, no. and then I was going to say Wheatus. No, woman, no cry. The Whalers? Yeah. It's, oh, okay, fair enough. I got thrown because I thought it was going to be... Because theoretically, if it begins with a T because it's the Whalers. If you're mm-hmm. going to... Yeah, well, I, the Whalers, like the Beatles, you say began with a B. All right, it's fine. I, I can see that I didn't get it right without a lot of help, so I, I didn't win this on my own. I had a lot of help, so thank you. Yeah, the Whalers, Bob Marley's band, originally formed together with Peter Tosh, not, yeah. not real name, and Bunny Whaler back in 1963. Throughout the years, several other singers and musicians joined, and at their peak, they had 19 members in total that would tour the world, including seven times in England. Wow. Uh, obviously, Bob Marley passed away in 1981 on a plane. He was supposed to be flying back to Jamaica and had to stop off in uh, Miami. Yeah. Where he died. What did he die of, actually? Why don't I know this story? Cancer. Oh, so it wasn't like anything... No, it was under his toe nail. 
and because uh, he's Rastafarian, he refused all medical treatment, and then oh. he had some sort of herbal remedies and okay. dietary things, and it just got it just spread to his lungs and everywhere. Oh balls! Uh, there are now only two surviving members of the Whalers. Uh, but fun fact for you, Bob Marley once appeared on Top Gear. Really? Bob Marley was once on Top Gear. Wow. Uh, not the car show. Oh. Uh, but the preceding BBC Light programme on the radio in the 60s. Oh, OK. All right, fair top, enough. Called Top Gear. So I was thinking, he couldn't really have done the uh, star in a reasonably priced car. <laughs> Him and the stick going around the track. Yeah. Bob, it's taking you six hours. He's an old. <laughs> I'm just jamming. Wind down the window. <laughs> uh, Jimi Hendrix, Free the Beatles, The Who, Dusty Springfield, Led Zeppelin, The Kinks, and Manfred Mann also appeared on that show, Top Gear. Of course, there's two of them still performing, including Bunny Whaler, your anagram today, Whale Tires, The Whalers. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Fictionary. Thanks so much for hanging out. I'm glad we uh, all got to the end in one piece. Uh, I think this episode of The Fictionary, Paul Gannon, has been Whipcat. Oh, I like that. I'm prone to say this episode was rather withering. And I would suggest it might be a a bit of William Priest. Sir William Priest was the chief engineer at the British Post Office who said in 1878, oh, those Americans have need of a telephone, but we don't. We've got plenty of messenger boys. (laughs) Oh. Twiddle's moustache. Yeah. Little did he know, the world would turn into one giant spam folder. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.